Hello and welcome to the Growth Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Lincoln Amstutz, and today I've got a great guest on. His name is Troy Erickson. Uh, I was actually connected to Troy through a, a booking source online that uh, was uh, put in front of me, and he his profile and his business experience definitely stood out to me. So before I uh, bring him on, I'm going to give a little info on Troy. Uh, he is the owner of Copywriting org email deliverability.com and email list management.com his company is called email paramedic the leading email list management agency that has generated over a hundred million dollars for their clients since 2019 by improving email copy and deliverability he was also ranked as the number 20 copywriter in the world by traffic funnels troy's a musician former college baseball player and lives in tampa florida so it is without further ado, I will uh, invite Troy on the podcast. Welcome, Troy. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Lincoln. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you are no stranger to podcasts, content online, all of that. You, you know, looking you up, you've been on quite a bit. So I'm glad we can have a conversation here. And to, to start off, uh, you've, you've been very successful uh, relatively quickly in the email marketing space, accruing uh, over $100 million for your clients and revenue uh, over the last few years. Can you take us back into how you got started in this space and why you chose to hone in on, in on email marketing over other businesses? Yeah, so the story is actually pretty funny. Um, back in like 2018, 2019, I was actually a college baseball player. Um, and that's really all I ever want to do with my life since I was a little kid. I just want to be a professional baseball player. Um, I actually had Tommy John surgery in high school, which, you know, kind of like derailed things, but I still made it to college and in college. Um, I had a, a mental complication stemming from the surgery, which is called the yips, where basically you lose your like simple abilities to like throw a baseball and I, I couldn't throw it accurately anymore. Same thing will happen to like golfers who miss easy putts, things like that. And as a college senior, you know, I'm supposed to be a team leader, but instead I got cut. And at that time, baseball was literally my identity. So it's like taking your identity, crumpling it up, throwing it in the trash. And, you know, thankfully for me, I'd kind of dabbled a little bit um, in internet marketing. And like I was, I was following a couple of people on Snapchat that would give like tips about how to make money on the internet. And uh, one day, one of them was selling a course for a thousand bucks. And I was like, hey, I got nothing to lose because I'm in a pretty low spot right now. So um, I, took the course, learned all about Facebook ads. Um, that was my new thing. I just like jumped into it, dedicated my time to it. It's the new thing that I wanted to be really good at. Um, uh, right before college ended, I realized that like, hey, you know, everybody's pushing me to go get a job, but that's the last thing I wanted. So um, I went up to one of my clients and we started this little uh, agency. And I started doing Facebook ads for a few different people. And I was like doing okay with it. Um, December of 2019, I really just had two clients and one of them wanted to fire me. And I was like, wait, hold on. Why? I'm looking at the cost per lead here on Facebook. Everything's fine. Nothing's really changed. In fact, it's, I'm, I'd argue that it's getting better. And they were like, sorry. And I was like, no, no, no. Tell me what's wrong right now. Cause this is not right. Um, and they were like, okay, fine. So like, you know, we're getting a lot of leads, but um, our emails are going to spam. So all these leads are not seeing the, the emails and we're not making any money off of them. And I was like, all right, so um, let me figure this out. 
and I couldn't afford to lose them. So I was like, I'll, you know, figure this out for free until your emails are actually making money again. And then we can go from there. And they were like, all right, fine. We have nothing to lose. So over the course of that summer, um, basically got their emails out of spam, started sending more emails because they were only doing like one a week. Uh, and then just really fixed the content because at the end of the day, it was just too transactional and there was like no reason to choose them. Uh, that summer, they went from 13K a month email revenue. And by the end of the summer, they were at 51K a month. So it was almost a 4X. Um, and I realized like, wow, wow, this is kind of a blue ocean compared to all the people running Facebook ads. So um, I just did email full time, um, called the email list management, which is basically those three things, writing the email, uh, fixing automations and strategy, and then making sure the email inboxes. And it turns out that a lot more people in my network needed that. And I, you know, networking was really important for me too. So it's like grew my network, a lot of people needed email and the rest was history. That's awesome. I, I love how obviously not an easy time, you know, coming off of an injury there. And like you're saying, everything is, is changing and that identity shifts and you have to find somewhere to focus your energy and, you know, kind of, yeah, put some new goals in place and, you know, kind of getting led on to this type of marketing. And then the fact that you took that, you know, client that was about to leave instead of, ah, okay, he's gone, you know, let's just see what else, you know, this can bring. You're like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to figure out how to make this happen. And so that essentially sounds like led you into all of the research and understanding of how email marketing works and the back end so that you could create the business you've created today. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're, you know, you starting your own email marketing company, like the, the start of that, what all you provide, like the services that are there? I know you broke it down a little bit in the writing strategy, getting in the inbox, but what does that look like for, for you all when you bring on a client today? Yeah, so when you bring on a client, it's really, most of the time, it's people that have like a warm email list and they just know they're not making enough money off of it. Because like everybody knows a list is important, but not everybody knows like how to actually make money from it or like what the best strategy is in order to do that. So um, ultimately, it just came down to like figuring out the, the three simple things that help people the most. It's writing more emails, making sure those emails inbox and creating some kind of automation or strategy. So you can try to like get as much recurring revenue and like consistent email revenue that you can every month. So um, yeah, it boils down to those three things. Um, we also help people with just deliverability if they already have the other two pieces taken care of. Um, yeah, we bring people on, they fill out a quick onboarding form um, that like lets us learn about their business and kind of like, you know, get inside their brain. And that's really all we need in order to do that because everything else is like our in-house, you know, secret recipes that we use for inboxing. And uh, yeah, it's pretty simple overall, but, um, and sometimes it can be a little bit boring to like do the same thing over and over again, but um, it's exciting for our team, right? Because they're getting to tell stories every day rather than being so transactional, like, hey, 20% off. Um, so yeah, it's like boring in one way, but boring makes money. And it's also fun in another way because you get to work with a lot of cool people, tell a lot of cool stories. So um, everybody wins. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's not about, yeah, exactly how shiny this object is. It's like, at the end of the day, it makes your clients money. They pay you because of that and it's worthwhile. For, for you getting into this, how did you educate yourself on this business? I mean, it sounds like you literally had a problem at first that you needed to solve and you were just researching, studying how to, how to get this right. I mean, what, 
at the beginning and even now today, how do you educate yourself? Where's kind of the go-to? Are you talking to people? Is it all online? What does that look like? Yeah, so the best way you can learn, honestly, like the truth is you have to pay to play, right? Like there's a lot of people that will try to look up, you know, YouTube videos and like pick somebody's brain about, you know, like what they should be doing, how they could be making more. But the truth is like if you want to learn fast, you got to pay somebody. Um, and for me, obviously, uh, when I didn't have a lot, it was like just going online, finding people with decent courses about email. And also like I had a little bit of experience with my other client who was, you know, still to this day, I'm very thankful that he just allowed me to like, in like go inside his business and like, check it out. Right. He didn't limit me to just doing ads at that time. He kind of like involved me with the rest of it. So, um, it, at the beginning, really just finding somebody with a good track record. Um, buying their course. Eventually, I started going to like masterminds, networking events, things like that, which is like so much better. But like, if you had to start with something, start with a course from somebody who's doing what you want to do. Um, and, and you just kind of go from there. But yeah, it's just a matter of like, learning skills from somebody who knows them, um, growing your network, and, uh, you know, just not, not staying inside the box, right? Because like, at the end of the day, probably wouldn't be here if I didn't um, tell my client, no, you can't fire me. So uh, most people <laughs> don't want to do that because it's kind of outside the box, but you, you have to do that. So I like that because most people want to follow a proven path right towards whatever success is, or, you know, they, they stay in that the safety of that box. But what you're saying is you've got to learn how to get outside of that. And you do that by, yeah, interacting and meeting with people that have, have done it themselves and paying to do so uh, is going to get you there the fastest. So I think a lot of people can take a lesson from that. And especially, you know, maybe you can get there in 10 years by, you know, these other methods that, you know, people are using. But if you want to get there, like you have, you know, three, four years, find the success, you're going to have to do something different. Uh, when looking into email marketing, and, you know, with what you're doing, to me, I see, you know, I can think of email marketing and, and sending you know, emails to people as somewhat antiquated. This has been around for a while. Like, how is this relevant and working today? Clearly it has for you. Uh, where do you see like the future of, you know, email uh, marketing and, and business conversions there going? Do you think this is something that we are going to be in for the long haul still? Is this just a few more years before some technology shifts? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, right now, the only thing that's really changing in the whole like email and copywriting industry is obviously using AI, right? Um, so just being able to like understand its purpose and its place, because the wrong way to think about it is like, you know, whether you're a business owner or whether you're somebody who's, you know, writing copy, um, the wrong way to think about it is like, okay, I'm just going to let this AI, this robot, this thing write for me, and I don't have to do anything. The truth is, if you do that, it's kind of like where you get those emails that are like, hey, how's it going? Are you ready for a great you know, offer today? Da, 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 da. Um, and it just comes off as, as everybody else, right? It's like if you put in an input that doesn't really make any sense, it kind of sounds like everybody else, it's just going to spit that back out. But if you understand how to actually prompt AI and be able to like get it to think as you, get it to speak as you, get it to research your industry, get it to understand what your business does. And that takes time. Mm -hmm. um, you can use that as a tool, but at the end of the day, it still needs to be copy chiefed, as we would say in this industry, which basically means somebody who's really good and has a really deep understanding of writing 
um, can overlook what it puts out and be able to modify that. So that's definitely the biggest change right now. We're not exactly sure where it's going to go. I think humans definitely still need to at least be managing it. Um, but in the long run, yeah, it's kind of exciting to see where AI is going to go. Outside of that, um, I mean, email is going to stick around, right? It's the thing that we've been using for 20 plus years. Check it almost every single day. Um, business, higher priority things go there. Whereas text is more for, you know, like personal communication. It's shorter. Um, and if you look at some of the other shiny objects in the industry right now, like TikTok, for example, it's it's fun. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, there's IG threads and there's all this crazy stuff going on in social media. But um, that's like they show your content to very, very few people there. You don't own your the list of your followers, but with email you do. So hmm. it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, people will post all day long on social media until they're blue in the face. But why not email all day long? Because those are leads that you own. And those are the most dedicated people who want to know you more intimately and, and read stories from you every day. So hmm. that's just um, some of the, the biggest topics going on right now in our industry and um, my opinion on all those. And I can imagine for a lot of people, they go immediately to online marketing because, well, you know, Facebook or whoever, they track it easily. I can put in this much money each day and this is what I get out. And, you know, email, I just don't understand it. It's hard to see you know, for the time that I put in and, and, and such that return on investment maybe, but, you know, going through somebody like yourself who has an agency that does this, you can, you can do the same thing, right? You guys are tracking metrics. Like you're giving, you're paying us this amount to give us this return. You've just figured out the systems and the processes and the emails that are going to work best to attract people to actually respond and to engage and, you know, to go to the primary inbox. Uh, in, in one of your, uh, other interviews, podcasts that I listened to, you were talking about some of your preferences on ESP email delivery systems. And you mentioned MailChimp uh, not being one that you'd recommend just because the IPs are not as great and harder to get into the primary inbox. And I'll say that's that's one that I've used for years now and uh, with kind of sending out deals to my cash buyers. Can you explain why, first off, maybe that delivery rate you know, for a system like MailChimp is not going to be as great as some of these other sources and, and what those alternatives might be? Yeah, that's a question I get a lot of like, you know, which software should I use? And my answer is normally like any of them except MailChimp. But uh, the reason for that <laughs> is simply because like, you know, MailChimp, it's free, right? And kind of like I said earlier, the best people pay to play. Um, so because it's free, they have kind of crappy IP addresses. So like, that the IP is kind of like a neighborhood and your domain is obviously your domain, which is like your house. Um, so there's two um, categories of like classification when it comes to deliverability, right? So there's your domain reputation and there's the IP reputation. So you can do uh, like really, there's, there's a lot of things you could do to improve your reputation, right? You can get um, a really high open rate. You can get a lot of clicks. You can get a lot of replies. Um, if people forward your email to their friends, if they star it, if they whitelist you, like those are all great. And that's going to make your domain stand out more and make it easier to inbox. But with an IP address, it, it looks at, you know, some of the same things, but it's all about the neighborhood, right? It's like if there's a bunch of people who are using a free email service, they're probably beginners and they don't really understand how to like get all that positive interaction. Instead, they're probably going to get negative interaction, right? Nobody's going to open their emails. Nobody's going to click. People are going to market as spam, 
etc. So um, it's like you are, you know, people say that you're the, the, the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, the same is true if you're in an entire neighborhood with an IP address. So that's kind of why. Um, other than that, it's, it's really just about saying like, okay, if this thing is free or super cheap, it probably is attracting beginners and maybe I should stay away from it. But other than that, there's a lot of good ESPs. I use Active Campaign personally. Um, they, you know, they cost slightly more, but at the end of the day, like email, the ROI on that is massive because it's like, you know, maybe they'll charge you several hundred dollars per month to use their system. But if you have any kind of high ticket offer, like for us, our average ticket's probably like six grand for B2B. So it's like, you know, you make one sale and it more than pays for it. So, um, it really just comes down to preference for me. I just really like all the automation building tools, the tracking tools, um, and just honestly the familiarity that I have with Active Campaign. But there, there's a handful of good ones out there. Um, if anybody listening is uh, like a Shopify store, then obviously you want to go with Clavio instead. But those are the two big ones, in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's good to know. And again, like you're saying, it's you're going to get in what you you're going to get out what you put in on the investment on some of these it, it just makes sense you know the free tools versus the one that you pay, you're paying for uh you know we mentioned at the beginning you being one of the mo you know one of the more successful copywriters you know in the industry t nowadays can you explain the difference between you know and explain kind of what copywriting is and compare that and contrast it to like email marketing as as a business and some of the different services that those provide sure so copywriting itself is obviously you know, a lot of people will think like, oh, that's like where you legalize something, right? It's like, no, that's a different kind. But copywriting is like I'm writing words that are trying to convince you to take some type of action, which is usually buying something, right? So a copywriter, uh, they could be, you know, writing emails that are convincing somebody to, you know, go to a sales page and check out. They could be writing an entire sales letter. They could be writing a video sales letter or VSL. Um, they could be writing a blog article. They could be writing literally anything, um, signs, you name it. Uh, with email marketing, it's like we're taking the, the email copywriting component um, and then we are adding on like managing deliverability as well as like automations and strategy, right? So that's kind of the main difference there. As far as what works in email and what generally works in copywriting is like telling stories. At the end of the day, like, the, the coolest people we know all have great stories to tell. And nobody likes reading something that starts off dry and bland, boring, and just telling you facts and information, right? Like you can include those things in a story, but like the first, you know, the subject line or the first line of the email or whatever it is that you're writing, it has to grab people. It has to be relatable. Um, it should be specific, right? It should be like relevant to me in my situation. It should have some kind of promise or benefit that I'm going to get if I actually go and read this whole thing. Um, so it's just really important to include those kind of things uh, and talk a lot about, you know, people you've worked with and testimonials and success stories and also just answering the like frequently asked questions that people have. So if you can put all that into a message and make it fun and exciting and then at the end is where you bring in the logic, facts, information, you're going to do really well. Hmm. Um, and same thing applies to email, but you just have to add on um, the understanding of deliverability and strategy and automations rather than just understanding writing. Right, right. Yeah, you're combining the two there to make it effective. 
I'm curious for you, how, how long did it take for you to, to, I mean, really get, you know, competent and, and great at, you know, being a good copywriter, putting these uh, together well in emails for people? I mean, did you go through a lot of clientele up front because the results were kind of wishy-washy or was it pretty much right off the bat as soon as you started doing this, you were nailing it, people were seeing greater conversions? How long of a timeline was that? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I mean, the first time I ever did anything business related was probably like 2016, like building a website for my mom. Um, I didn't really have a lot of time to de- dedicate to it back then because I was in school and I was playing baseball and, you know, it was just kind of like a side thing. I uh, started taking it pretty seriously, you know, 2019. Um, and yeah, it, with writing, it's interesting because there's a lot of writers that struggle for, you know, years before they get really good. But I honestly felt that it was easier for me to start in email marketing because now that there's like three things, if my copy is like, okay, that's only one of the things. I can still be really good at the other two. Um, so it's like if I can go into a business and improve their open rates, and just like send more emails, they're gonna make more money, even if my writing is okay. So I'd say over the course of time, you know, when I started, you know, taking things seriously from 2019, I would say I got like really good after about two years when it comes to writing. But I was at least good enough where I could combine my writing skills and then just like helping people like write more and make sure the emails inbox. I got good at that, you know, over the course of a summer working with the client that I mentioned earlier. So, um, and the last thing I'll say too, that a lot of people miss is just knowing that if you want to be good at writing or email, you shouldn't just look at writing or email. You should, you know, kind of like dive in to an entire business mm-hmm. so you can see everything that's going on around it. Right. Cause if I know how to write, but I don't understand like the goal of the business and like what the number one metric is that they want to hit. I I just can't succeed that way. So I was thankful that I kind of, you know, at the beginning, I had that one client who kind of like let me, you know, go inside his business and check it out and just kind of like see what was going on in there. So it gave me a better understanding of what I was doing. Um, So, yeah, just being able to study other businesses and kind of see what's going on, you know, whether you can actually sign in because they're your client or whether you kind of look at it from the outside, just really understanding the ecosystem um, and really understanding everything going on around it. And hey, maybe there's a couple extra skills you can add in addition to writing that uh, you're good at, and it compensates that for you maybe not being the best writer at the beginning. That's true. And the best way that you know I'm sure you did that, and that other people can, is just by getting into it. You know, trial and error, uh, and and going for it. And you know, obviously there's some time to learn and study how it all works, but just taking action on that. I'm kind of curious. So for for me, like I said, I you know I'm using Mailchimp for for some of these things. It's not my main mode of of marketing by any means. It's more of you know sending out deals to some select investors. But regardless, it's not an area that I've really honed in on and focused. But it's something that you know, especially through this conversation, I'm finding is is beneficial and works. Uh, I mean, say I've got a list of I don't know ten thousand emails. Right, we get data from homeowners in our local market. And usually what we're doing is we're calling these people, we're texting them. But if I've got like 10,000 emails of homeowners in the area, and I'm, you know, and you're putting them together, you know, you guys, not me, if you're putting them together, say on whatever campaign, whatever system um, to email out and try and get some engagement of, hey, 
would you sell your house? Do you want an offer on your property? Are you willing to sell? Do you have any idea on something like that? Maybe what sort of response rate that would get, you know, off the bat or over a little bit of time? Is that going to be something pretty low percentage still just because of the nature of what it is? Or is that something you can get decent responses um, after a few emails? Yeah, so that would be cold emails. So we primarily focus on warm. But as far as cold, um, like real estate's a great example, right? It's like you're just trying to find leads. And there's all kinds of data sources where you can find homeowners in the area. Um, And text works really well for that, too, because it can be short and simple, like, hey, are you looking to sell? And then, you know, wherever the address is, Um, sometimes people reply. Uh, But as far as email goes, um, yeah, with cold outreach, it's a whole other animal, like making sure you don't hit spam. And, you know, it's a whole other conversation. But as far as the message itself... Yeah, I mean, you're definitely not going like your open rate's going to be pretty high on those emails because they don't know you uh, and they're like, who is this? And they open it and they read it. And at that point, it's like how many of those people are actually looking to sell? Uh, you know, maybe a quarter of them would be like, all right, let me at least find out kind of what this person's willing to give. How many people are actually interested enough where they're like, OK, yeah, I'll send an email back. Um, you're probably not going to hit over 10%, uh, but it really depends on the messaging, right? So just keeping it short and simple. Um, so like for cold email, you just want to make it feel as personal as possible rather than making people feel like you sent the same message to a thousand other people. Um, so just being able to be really specific with the area that they live in, right? Um, and being able to kind of like understand the market where you could include something that kind of like proves that you're in the area, right? So, hey, are you looking to um, sell, you know, 123 Sesame Street? Um, if so, I, you know, one of your neighbors recently sold their house for XXX. Um, and it kind of shows a little bit of social proof. Or you could like name the neighborhood in the text too. So they, you know, and uh, or in the text or in the email, et cetera. Uh, and having like a domain name that has to do with the area or if you're texting, you know, the, the correct area code and just making it seem as personal as possible and um, kind of having some sort of social proof in there. Right. Like maybe the neighbor sold their house, something like that. Um, so those are kind of some of the things that are going to get you more responses. But with cold email at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, you're just kind of putting a feeler out there and it's definitely tough to get a ton of responses. Um, as far as warm email, those are people that, um, you know, have opted in for something and they are aware of you. So they're not going to be caught off guard. And you just want to like deliver the thing that they got, the thing that they signed up for, the thing that they bought, whatever it might be. Um, and then just kind of like explain how that thing is going to be really helpful to them, how their life is going to improve, tell stories, testimonials, answer their questions. Uh, and some people will buy right away and some people will buy a week later, a month later, a year later because they're following you. And it's all about know, like, and trust in the long term. Um, and a list is the greatest thing you can build because it's people who are learning to know, like, and trust you. And they're kind of at like the most intimate level of reading from you every day. Um, whereas like we talked about earlier, social media, it's, def- it's tough to have everybody see your posts. Um, and people are usually not as serious if they're not opting in. So that's kind of the difference there between the yeah. warm and cold. They both work, um, but it just kind of depends where you're at and if you've built a list of opt-ins or if you're um, kind of new and you're just kind of putting feelers out there to find deals, for example. Right. No, that make, makes a lot of sense on that. 
And, and I was, you know, curious for your company. I mean, I was seeing like a list of some of the businesses you've worked with and some large companies, uh, you know, that are doing a lot of business, um, you know, name brand, like, how have you gotten connected with, you know, these owners and groups? Is it through just, hey, we're marketing our services, you know, in whatever way? Are we, is, is it word of mouth? How, how have you gotten some of these larger clientele? Yeah, so it's all about network um, and just being in the right room, right? Because, like, that's the one thing I'm so thankful for that I started very early is just paying to be in a room with very successful people. Um, you talk to people. You learn a lot. They ask you a couple questions and over time, whether it's that day or a week later, or whatever it might be, um, people will ask for your help. And just being able to also like, you know, friend those people on Facebook or wherever, you know, whatever your social media platform is or get them on your email list even better. And just kind of like tell stories about the things that you're doing, uh, whether it's personal, whether it's business. Um, and then people will, you know, read about you, watch videos, et cetera. Uh, and then they'll reach out for more. Uh, and then sometimes you can have direct pitches too, or you're directly saying like, Hey, you know, I'm looking to do X, Y, and Z for, you know, four business owners this week. If you're interested, um, reply back with this word or click this link. Um, and that's kind of how I started is just like building a network of the right people. Um, and you know, eventually I got around to running ads and, you know, that's another way that obviously costs money, but you're going to get faster results once you dial it in. Um, and as far as like the really big fish clients, that's pretty much all through your network. Sometimes they'll come through ads. Sometimes they'll see a post somewhere. And sometimes you really never know where they come from and you have to ask them. Um, but really the, the really big companies, you know, they know people, there's people they trust. There's people that if they say, Hey, you should do this, they're going to listen. So through your network, there's always people you know who have wild, huge, big, hairy, ambitious connections that you don't know about. Um, so just being able to really demonstrate your expertise and personality, um, whether it's via email or online in any way, and just being able to meet people whenever you can at events. Um, eventually, you'll get a message, an email, a text that says like, hey, I want to connect you with so-and-so. Um, they need help with email and or they need help with you know whatever it is that you do and that's kind of how you you close those big fish and sometimes you never really see it coming but it's a result of um you just putting yourself out there yeah i like that and how much has social media uh helped in gaining new clientele or you know are you putting much time and focus on that as a means to get new business for your copyright copywriting your email marketing or is that more so just kind of getting your name out there and, and bringing light to email marketing as a business in general or how are you utilizing that um you know social media yeah it's a mix i i still think facebook's a really good spot that's where i started and there's you know groups and communities uh especially the internet marketing community is like really big on facebook and i'm, I'm so glad i started there so yeah we 100 percent get clients from there um it's just another way for people to kind of like follow along with what I'm doing. And some people, yeah, they sign up to be clients. And some people, you know, we have some education programs as well. They'll sign up for those. Um, my Instagram, for example, uh, Instagram's a different demographic. So I mostly like educate people there that they can make money with email. Um, and we, you know, produce content that's along those lines, whereas Facebook is more for business owners. Um, there's a lot of networks too. And like, obviously podcasts are great. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can connect, can connect with a lot of different people. It's just about understanding like 
the demographic of each area uh, of each network and not talking to them all in the same way, but just really knowing like, Hey, what's my goal here? Hmm. Uh, like what kind of people am I talking to? What would help them the most? And how can I have an offer for those people that's going to help them so much that they believe in so much that they would pay me for it? Um, hmm. So, yeah, I like that. I wanted to ask a little bit about your, your personal investments. You obviously have built these awesome businesses around email marketing, copywriting and, and some variation there. Uh, you know, for me, I'm in real estate investing, you know, not only, like my cash flow business uh, is, is this, you know, real estate flipping, wholesaling. And then the long term investment is also real estate kind of in the same, uh, you know, industry. For you, um, are you pretty much 100% in on the email marketing business? And that's kind of the future you see is just building up these businesses? Or do you have um, some investment in real estate stocks? Kind of what are your what are you involved in there? Yeah, I love that question. Because uh, a lot of people, you know, they'll make their first taste of money, and then they don't know what to do with it. But thankfully, I've been in the right rooms and learned from a lot of smart people. So really, anytime that, uh, you know, my business has a surplus of cash. I know that I can't let it sit there for too long. So the, the first thing I'm doing is, is putting it into a SEP account, right? So it's kind of like a, a 401k, you know, an IRA, uh, where I'm just able to put money in there, um, delay taxes until, you know, years down the road, and also be able to, you know, take advantage of the fact that, you know, in all likelihood, the stock market's going to go up 8% on average per year. Um, so that's great. Really easy. doesn't take any time. Uh, I do have a couple of properties as well um, just to diversify and, yeah, you know, build long-term wealth and equity. Um, one of them I bought uh, a couple of years back, so that one's doing great. Another one bought more recently. So it's like it's just one of those things that's like, all right, this is going to save me some money on taxes, and I'm going to hold it for a long time. And in the long run, it's going to do great. But right now, everything's just so flat and stagnant. Um, also invested in a couple of different companies. Um, I've invested in one of my own software assets that I acquired to help my main business. Hmm. Um, so there's all kinds of things that you can do, uh, at the beginning, it's like, gosh, you know, just putting money in the market is so simple. Real estate, definitely more barriers to entry, more learning. So, um, that's been super fun. And then just acquiring, you know, assets for my main businesses, uh, it, that one I'm, I'm super excited about. It's obviously high risk, higher reward. So I haven't started that until recently now that I've uh, gained a lot of confidence. So that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, you know, some things are a little safer. Some things are riskier, but higher reward. Um, but I'm pretty diversified and I uh, try not to buy too many fun toys and liabilities. So that's kind of the summary. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Is And that's, you know, it's smart, right? You've got your active business that you're working on growing, and that's the main cash cow that, that's producing you the income. But to peel off some of that, you know, those earnings and put them into the, the long-term 401ks, the stocks, the real estate, you know, I think those are, it just makes sense, right? Those proven long-term investment strategies that, um, you know, you're going to see a return on. I, I'm wondering for you, you know, younger guy finding success um, at this point. Are you the kind of guy that's like, hey, I'm just working to get like f my time fully back, have, you know, this business set up and just kind of step out and just, you know, move on, do something different in, in or out of business? Or do you really see 
um, yourself taking your current companies or maybe new companies, you know, to a, a massive, you know, corporation in the future that you want to be working on. So you're 50, 60, 70. I mean, do you have a kind of a, a goals in mind as far as how involved you want to be through the years in business? Gosh, that's a tough one. Um, I still don't think too many years into the future. Like I know I'm making wise investments for the future, but as far as what my life looks like in five to 10 years, that's definitely a tough question. It's like when I started out, it was, you know, all I knew was my main business. Um, and I still really enjoy it and I want to stay in it for a long time. Um, but still just being able to acquire like similar assets and build the empire as high as it can go. But I've also realized that it's important uh, to have more time, right? Because I can't get that back. But like, you know, money is like secondary to time. It's not even close in my opinion anymore. So yeah, I've been hiring a, a lot of people on my team and I love my team and they help me a ton. And just it, it finally feels like I can start to do some things that I wasn't able to do previously. So I, you know, a couple of years ago, I started dating and got married earlier this year. Mm. Um, I've been able to finally get back into working out again, starting to pick up my guitar again, and just like do some more things that I enjoy. So it's like, really, I'm just delegating a lot of things. Um, but I, when I do work, um, which is still quite a bit, not as much as I used to, but it's, uh, it's stuff that I really enjoy. And just kind of emphasizing like, hey, when I'm working, I better enjoy it. And sometimes, yeah, there's things that suck that you have to do. But overall, I just want to really enjoy what I do and not be stuck doing something that I hate. So um, it's definitely been a mix of uh, a, a big learning process um, to go from working all day to like still working hard when I am working and still having a personal life. Yeah, that's awesome because you've put in, you know, seemingly, you know, several years of just the grunt work, the grind of figuring this out, maybe doing some of the aspects of the business that, you know, you weren't the biggest fan of, or maybe it's not the things that you enjoyed the most, but you knew that, you know, at the forefront of starting a business, you've got to wear all the hats, you've got to figure out all the systems and processes. And now you can kind of choose, okay, what do I want to be involved in? What am I going to delegate? And then like you're saying, get that time back and be able to spend it according, you know, where you want it to be at. So I know that's, that's, that's a huge place to be. And while still, like you're saying, you're involved in the business, you're growing it, there's, there's a lot of things going on there. Uh, so that's exciting. I, I wanted to jump into part of the podcast. We've got four questions uh, that I ask each guest, if I can uh, throw those at you. Let's do it. So number one is, uh, what is one of the best pieces of advice that you have been given? Ooh, start Big before question. you're ready. Um, it's just like most people, they're all, they're just waiting for like that one magical thing to happen before they get started. And the truth is like, you got to start before you're ready. Because again, I'll talk about time. Like you don't know, like technically we're never ready. Like there's always something that could be better, could be more ideal. So um, you just got to dive in and look into things that you might want to do. Learn from smart people and just like you know, be hands on as soon as you can. Right, right. I like that. It's you just got to go for it and, and take those steps to, you know, learn what you don't know um, until you're in it. Uh, number two is, what is one of your favorite business books? Uh, recently, I read The One Thing, and it just talks a lot about how, like, in every aspect of your life that you want to be good at, there's one thing that's going to move the needle more than anything else. Everything else can be delegated or it can be done, you know, later, maybe at night. But, like, first thing in the morning 
You wake up, got to use your energy to focus on that one thing that's actually going to move the needle. Um, and then after that, you know, everything else is secondary. Yeah. I like that. The one thing I, it's on my, it's on my reading list. Got to get to that. Uh, number three, what is one character trait you notice that successful people commonly share? Being able to postpone gratification. Um, so delayed gratification, but you know, there's a lot of people I talk to and they, it just seems like, you know, there's, there's that one thing that they know they need to do, but it's like, Oh, I'll start it tomorrow. Like, you know, right now is not the best time for that. Or, uh, they just think that there's so many steps. And the truth is like, Hey, I know this might suck, but you need to sit down and do it right now. You can go to bed later or you can, you know, do this thing later. You can have fun later. Um, and I'm not saying that you can't enjoy your life, but you also have to understand that if you take a moment to do something right now, it makes you feel so much better when you finish that thing. And then you go do the other thing you want to do. But most people, they just like the tolerance for like sitting down and getting the job done is just not there. Hmm. I like that. That's a huge, huge component that a lot of people need to hear and implement, uh, that sets you apart. Yeah. And then the last one, number four, is simply where can people connect with you? Uh, definitely make mention of, you know, even for your services in the in the marketing space, um, but even in general, just reaching out, where can people connect with you, Troy? Yeah, the easiest way would be faqemail.com. So if you go there, I'll give you a free list of literally all the most common questions I get about email marketing, plus the answers. Um and then obviously you'll get emails from me because you'll be on my list and then you can just reply to any of those emails and be like, Hey, I heard you on a podcast. Um, kind of interested in what you can help us with with email. And then we can go from there instead of the time to chat. But yeah, faqemail.com is definitely the easiest place. Absolutely. Well, Hey, this is, this has been really good. I've learned a lot about, you know, email just in this conversation, things I'm going to be thinking about for my own business and you know to utilize so uh yeah thank you for coming on troy taking the time it's it's been a good conversation thank you lincoln i appreciate it yeah well uh thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode of the growth circle podcast if you found value from it like i did please leave us a rating and review and we will catch you on the next one